book of Nehemiah 7, chapter, verses 1 through 3. Nehemiah 7, 1 through 3. And I know you know what I'm going to talk about as soon as you say Nehemiah. If you hear about, if I say, you know, go to Jonah, you know, we're talking whales and, you know, seaweed and all that. You know, go to Nehemiah. I know you know what I'm going to talk about for a few moments here. Nehemiah 7, verses 1 through 3. Now it came to pass. When the wall was built and I had set up the doors and the porters and the singers and the Levites were appointed, that I gave my brother Hanani, Hanani and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a faithful man and feared God above many. And I said unto them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun be hot. And while they stand by, let them shut the doors and bar them and appoint watches of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, every one in his watch, and every one to be over against his house. Third verse. Take a little text out of there to talk to you men who have sacrificed and laid down your lives to come to this men's conference. And I said unto them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun be hot. I'll take that from a text this afternoon. Until the sun be hot. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord just a moment. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your goodness and mercy that endureth unto all generations. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be at this great Momentum Men's Conference, dear God. Thank you for this church and these pastors, dear God. Thank you for the ministry that's been given to our hearts and to our minds. God, if you could bless us one more time and anoint us one more time to be recipients of the marvelous will and word of God. Inspire us today, dear God. We'll give you the praise. We'll give you the glory forever, dear God. Hallelujah, for we ask it in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. When the temple had been rebuilt by Ezra, it had been the passion of Nehemiah to fortify Jerusalem with walls, which had been broken down and the carrying away into Babylon. And from the beginning, it had been fought against tooth and nail by every enemy of God's people. At first, they thought it wasn't possible to do. And then when they saw the possibility of it, it's when they really began to fight. It was amazing to me that hardly an eyebrow was raised when they built the temple. It was only when they began to try to fortify the temple by building walls around it that it inflamed those who were around about. We don't mind the Jew having their little church and doing their little deals with their calves and their bullocks and their pigeons and their doves. And we don't mind their priesthood being in their, in their, all of their gaudy dress and going about the routines and rituals. But we would like to be able to watch what's going on so we can kind of monitor the church. And uh, so it was when they began the walls that it really inflamed the enemy. We don't mind you having a church just as long as it's not fortified. And so when Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn, despised us and said, what is this thing that ye do? Will you rebel against the king? This is a goofy idea you've got. You, you, need, to, you need to get on with your religious activities and, and don't fool with a wall. We're, you don't try to fortify Jerusalem and don't try to become an entity into yourself. Just, just, just leave things alone and go on about your service. And they, they They laughed them to scorn, thinking they couldn't do it. Then answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, therefore, then he answered them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants will arise and build. 
But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Let me make this little sidebar right here to you, to you fathers here today and to you men today. Nehemiah said the reason that you don't want walls built around Jerusalem, the motivating factor for you not wanting those walls built around Jerusalem is the fact that you don't have any memorials here. You don't remember anything about the past from this place. There's nothing about the temple that triggers your memory. You don't remember anything about the going-ons here of years ago, of the 70 years ago. You have no memories in Jerusalem. Therefore, you have no interest in preserving Jerusalem. You have no memories in the house of God. Therefore, you have no, you have no dedication to the preserving of the house of God. Could I say to you this afternoon that if you want your children to build walls around this apostolic message and this glorious truth. If this truth is to endure, there must be men and women who will allow their children to build memories in the house of God. Your children need memories in church. They need memories in the house of God. They need to remember where they got the Holy Ghost at. They need to remember where they were baptized in Jesus' name. They need to remember where they walked down with their wife or their husband and made their vows to one another. They need to remember vacation Bible school. They need to remember a Sunday school class. They need to remember a Sunday school teacher. They need to remember where they used to sing in the choir. They need to remember where the organist used to be and the piano player used to be. They used to remember the sound of the drum because when you have memories here you build walls around the temple to preserve your memories but if you have no memories you have no appetite for wall building if you have no memories in church and you know we're raising a generation today that has been moved they have no root system you know you take your kids and drag them all over the country church to church to church to church to church they can't even remember where they got the holy ghost out was that over brother so and so is it over brother so and so well i can't remember where we were where i first felt the touch of god they have no memories therefore they build no walls around the doctrine because they have no memories in it get your kids in church and keep them in church put them in a good apostolic church sit down be obedient, responsive to the men of God. And for goodness sake, let your children build memories in Jerusalem because that generation will build walls around this apostolic message and will hold on to it and not violate it and not compromise it and not sell it out to the first vagabond that walks by because they would be selling their memories. No memories, no walls. Samaritans, Arabians, the reason you don't want a wall built here is because you have no memorials in here. But I remember the priesthood. I remember the smell of the bread. I remember the scent of sacrifice. I remember seeing the smoke curl up. I remember my daddy going. I remember my mama going. I remember stepping in the gate. I remember all the excitement. I remember hearing the choir sing. And because I have those memories, I want to build walls around my memories so I can hold on to them for another generation. 
It come to pass when Sanballat heard that we built the wall, he was wroth, took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake therefore to his brethren, the army of Samaria, and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end of the day? Will they revive the stones and the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even they which build, if a fox go upon it, it shall even break down their stone wall. And so they wrote letters of discouragement have been written, and threats have been made, and ploys of all kinds, and subject to ridicule and laughter and mischief and mocking. The Bible said, so the wall was finished. Didn't matter. Making a difference. So the wall was finished in the 25th day of the month, Elu. In 52 days, they built the wall to come to pass when the enemies heard thereof. And the heathen that we had saw these things, they were much cast down in their eyes. I didn't think they could do it. You see what they see? An old Samaritan come by kicking a can, you know. And I didn't think they could have did it. It didn't look to me like it was even possible for them to do. They were much cast down in their eyes. They, they, they were so defeated and so felt like they felt like they had missed everything when they went ahead and did it anyway. But the Bible said, for they perceived that this work was wrought by our God. They knew it wasn't them that had done the work, but it was the hand of God. It simply had to be God. It had God's finger prints all over it. And so Nehemiah was smart enough to know that strong walls do not eliminate danger from enemies. He knew that Tobiah and Sanballat and the rest of those Arabians, Samaritans, they were not just going to go home and forget about Jerusalem. He knew they still had it in their heart. He knew they still hated the temple. They still hated the fact that they had fortified the house of God. And he knew that Jerusalem was still vulnerable at her gates, even though they were made as strong as possible. There, there was need for the opening of the gates so the inhabitants could come and go to their fields and their flocks and their herds. He, he knew, you know, we can't keep them in here. You, you know, you're going to have to let people out sometime. You know, you, you can't just keep them inside these four walls. There's going to have to be a day when we open the gates and we let people come and go. They're going to have to take their flocks out. They're going to have to take their herds out. We're going to have to let some things come in. Some caravans will come in. Some merchandise will come in. You know, some things will come in this gate and some, there, there will be a, a coming out of going there at the gate. And he knew that. You know, I really honestly believe that, that some people would only be saved if we could keep them in church. I'm talking about never let them out. You know, just if you had like a room where you could put them, you know, and just get them out, you know, when you need them. Like, you know, sometimes it's the most talented people are the most... Um, not, not these guys up here, but, but, but some guys that are really talented, you know, they're worthless for anything else. You know, you, you go get back in the room and you get them and you bring them out, put them on the piano and say, now play it. And then what's over with, get them and go put them back in a room somewhere and don't get them out till you need them again. You know, you got them thoroughbreds, them racehorses, you know, they're not good for a whole lot. You know, they're bucking and throwing there. You see them trying to get them. They can't hardly get them in the gate. You know, the only thing they're good for is race day. You know, all the rest of the week or the month of the year, you just stall them, you know, and feed them and, and, and take care of them, you know, but don't let them out. You might not ever catch them again. If you ever let them out, you know, you got to keep them stalled up, you know. There are people like that, that you, you dread getting them out, you know. I dread getting them out, you know, because I might not be able to get them back in the barn, you know. <laughs> Once they get out the door, you wonder, I don't know, I might never see them again. I don't know if they can make it back next Sunday or not, you know. It's about the only way they're going to be saved is to 
and just lock them up. And Nehemiah knew you couldn't do that. You know, it would be good if you could, but he knew you couldn't do that. You're going to have to let them out someday, you know. And he knew that gates became the focal point of the enemies and they're the chief point of attack. Gates offer access to the city. Whoever owns the gate owns the city. Capture the gate, you capture the city. Breach the gate, you breach the city. Conquer the gate, you conquer the city. Forget the walls and attack the gates. We understand that today. Where we're vulnerable at in America is at our entrances, at our gates, at our ports. That's where they come in. That's where we're going to be attacked at. Somewhere they're going to have to come in through those gates and through those ports. You know, Indianapolis uh, and other places, when you travel, you fly very much. It's a burdensome thing to, to try to get through the gate just to get down there. You know, it's, it's, they're gonna, we, we got one of them sniffers. It's a machine you get in there in Indianapolis and, uh, you go, you go, yeah, and you stand there inside this little, uh, looks like a great big jukebox you're standing inside of. You got them holes all in going, it's squirting hair out all over, you know, and then it smells of you. And it's like that's just a little bit, too invasive, you know, but nevertheless, I'm standing there, you know, and, and, and I guess it's a machine of some kind. I hate to think there's a man back there having to do that, but, you know, it's some kind of machine that's, you know, uh, is it after that analyzes the air off of your body and decides if you've got any plastic explosives or gunpowder. And I'm glad for it, you know, I don't want to get on, I don't want to get on a plane with a guy who smells like gunpowder, you know, smells like he'd been to a turkey shoot. I don't want to ride with him, you know, or he smells like plastic. I don't want to ride with you. I don't want to be on the same plane with you so we understand how important it is and i bought me some shoes and uh they were they had a little tag on the shoes and i paid more for them than I should have paid because they're called airport friendly shoes don't believe it first time i wore them you know the guy says you want to take your shoes off i said listen these are your friends i, I, I bought them they had tags on them it says airport friendly he said are you handicapped I said, I'm not handicapped. Take your shoes off. I said, please don't make me take my shoes off. I paid a lot of money for these so I wouldn't have to take them off. Please let me try to just go through there, you know. He said, all right. So I went through and they didn't go off. Now he said, go over there and sit down and take your shoes off. And I'm, I said, you defeated my whole idea. I, I, I didn't want to have to take them off to begin with. Now I go through. Now I got to go take them off, you know, take my shoes off. So they're, they're very interested in ports and people coming in. And I'm glad you take your shoes off. And I, they got that x-ray thing now, you know, they see right through your clothes. Yes, sir. They can walk right up there, buddy. They can, they can, they can strip you right down. Look right, see right through your clothes. See your body. They, they, they black your face out so they can't, the person behind the screen can't see your face, but they can see right through your clothes, right through your body. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that guy doing that sniffing in that job, I bet he's going to upgrade that other, he's going to upgrade that other deal. Nehemiah, understanding the strategy of the enemy toward the gates of Jerusalem, it provoked Nehemiah to break uh, the long-term accepted standards of gate opening and gate closing. He said, I want to tell you boys something. only have one rule for you. You have to use your own uh, discrepancy about this and your own discretion. But he said, I want to give you one rule, you you, you gatekeepers. And uh, I've chosen you because you're faithful men. And you're dedicated men to God. And you had rule over the palace. Now I'm going to give you rule over all Jerusalem. He said, this is the one admonishment or the one rule 
that you must follow in your gatekeeping. He said, here, here it is. Now I want you to listen very close. Let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun be hot. Well, all right. You mean like we're not going to hang a sign out on the sides of Jerusalem, open at 7, close at 5? You mean we're not going to have any hours of operation out here like you got at the barbershop, you know, or just about every place of business you go to has got a, the hours of operation on there? You mean our, our, uh, our hours of operation, we don't open until the sun gets hot? Yeah, he said, that's the one requirement I have of you. Let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun be hot. What he's saying to them is, there is no set hour for Jerusalem to open up. There is no fixed time for these walls to be uh, uh, opened up. They're not to be opened by ritual. They're not to be opened by habit. They're not to be opened by custom. There is but one criteria for the opening of the gates of Jerusalem, and that is, I want the sun to be hot. What is he saying to these gatekeepers? That is, I want full light at the gates. I want you to be standing on the walls, and I want you to have every bit of light that you can get to look at everybody that wants to come in Jerusalem, everybody that's seeking entrance into our city. I want you to be able to see every face, I want you to see every feature. I want you to know who they are, what their intentions are, how they're dressed, how they're behaving themselves. I want you to wait and don't open these doors until the sun is hot. I want you to have a clear vision of all who approach. I want you to sense the full force of light. Avoid a shadowy time forever opening the gates of Jerusalem. Don't try to decide friend or foe at twilight. Have a good view of the landscape and those that are approaching because it's easy to be deceived when you have less than full light. Wait until the sun is hot and you can see clearly. He understood that the enemy still wanted to get in. Even though they had built the walls, he knew they would not leave and just go away and forget about Jerusalem. They would concoct plans. They would come up with schemes. They would disguise themselves. They would become other than what they are in an attempt to come into Jerusalem and frustrate the purpose of God. And so the idea was, I don't want you to unbar those gates until that sun, you can feel the full measure of the sun upon your head and upon your life. Wait till you have all the light that you can possibly give and you look close at everything that's down there waiting to come in Jerusalem before you open the gates be sure be sure be sure be sure that something's not going to get in that you don't want in Jerusalem each morning from that bit of information I would conclude that each morning would dictate its own time for opening on a foggy day what about a cloudy day What about a rainy day? What about a stormy day? What about a hazy day or a misty day? What do you do on those kinds of days? It may be very possible, sir, that the gates of Jerusalem may not be open today. We may not conclude any business with those outside of Jerusalem today because I cannot see clearly what it is that wants in to the city of God. 
And before I would open the doors, not understanding what's going to come in, I would leave Jerusalem shut up to the outside of the world. There would be hazy days and cloudy days when it wasn't opened up to maybe 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. There would be days when it might not be open but for 30 minutes because the sun would come out and then it would go in and he could no longer see those that were wanting access to Jerusalem. There were days, no doubt, dark days and cloudy days to where those men never felt the heat of the sun. And the gates of Jerusalem were never, ever opened up for outside activity. Jerusalem is not going to be run like any other city. It's not going to operate on the same time frame as all the other cities. There will be times, there will be times when Jerusalem will not be open because there are two men that have decided that they don't understand everything that's wanting to come into Jerusalem. Could I say to you fathers, to you men, to you husbands this afternoon that you are those that are upon the wall that are supposed to be faithful men. And there are your monitoring of those walls and those gates that unless you have full light, unless you understand completely what it is that wants into your home, wants into your life, wants into your children's life, you have a moral responsibility to keep the doors closed to Jerusalem until the sun be hot upon your life, until you have clear vision and clear understanding. Don't you open the door and let something into your children's lives, let something into your home, let something into your family people are fickle people are like flies on a screen door those on the outside want in those on the inside want out don't either one of them know why really they just ain't happy where they are he said to these men there would be times and I gotta have men that fear God everybody say fear God because I, I can see a problem here. You've got some men down here. They're standing on the wall and they won't open the doors. Don't you hate to get to some place that won't open up? They're supposed to be open, but they won't open. They're not open up yet. You know? You're standing up there pacing, you know, well, when this joint going to open up? What is wrong with this guy, you know? And, 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 you, and you need what you need, you know, and it just won't open up. And I can see people begin to gang up. I'm coming down the stretch here. I see people ganging up on the outside. There's caravans, you know, this guy selling pots and pans. He's got fabric. They got perfumes. They got all kinds of stuff. They got camels laden down with all kinds of merchandise. They're lining up at the, at the door, you know, wanting to get in. Then on the inside, you got you got women with screaming babies and crying. You know they want to get out. You got herds and flocks and men with horses and and men with a you know flocks is beginning to mingle together and herds and and and, and all kinds of stuffs going on here. And their boys wanting to get out and go see their girlfriends. The girlfriends wanting to get in and see their boyfriends. His families wanting to go out and go visit. They're supposed to go to a wedding. You know, and he won't open the gates. He won't open the gates. What's the matter with you up there? Are you blind? How hot is hot? It feels hot enough to me. Where are you at? What's your deal up there? Don't you, don't you think anybody's got anything to do but you two? What about me? What about my flocks? What about my herds? What about my wife? 
what about my kids? Kids are screaming and clawing and climbing. Their mama's like a rope and, and, and boys are fighting, pulling girls' hair and, 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 and the cat's scratching and clawing and the, and, and the dog's chasing the cat and folks are getting all chaotic, wanting out, all on the outside or wanting in, you know, and you got two bozos up here that won't open the door. Won't open the door. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you fear anybody but God, you have a temp, you're tempted to open the gate out of intimidation. Because your wife says, honey, I don't see anything wrong with opening the gate right now. I think it would settle a lot of issues. And you ain't making no friends by keeping the gate closed. Let me talk to you pastors just a moment. I'm a pastor, pastor for 34 years. That's not a record by any stretch of imagination. That's just a fact. 34 years. People will tell you they don't see why you don't open the gate. I don't understand why you don't open the gate. I don't understand why you won't let it in because I don't see nothing wrong with it. But you see, it ain't about you. It's about me that God has put up on the wall. And it said, until I feel the heat of the sun, the gate ain't open. This is not about a vote. How many want the gates to open? How many want to do this? How many want to do that? How many think it's okay to go here? How many think it's okay to go there? It ain't about that. You're the one, sir, that God has chosen, puts you on the wall, and it says until you feel full heat of the sun, you are not to open the gates of Jerusalem. Then the next comment they'll make to you is, all the other cities have their gates open. How do you think these people got to our gates? All these people out here came from somewhere. You know, if it's okay for them to open the gates and they open their gates and they open their gates and they're open their gates, we're the only place in town that don't open the gates. Are we that different? You mean to tell me that everybody's wrong but you? All I'm saying is there's some things that I can't see quite well enough yet. There's some things I don't fully understand that wants into your life right now. I, I, I'm trying to get a better bearing on what this is and what this will do. There's a figure over here that's got his head covered up. There's something over here kind of in the shadowy land I'm not really sure about. And I'm not going to open that gate until it turns around and I can see it clearly and know what it is that what the intention is that wants into our lives. I am not going to open the gate. But if you can be intimidated, others are going to intimidate you to go ahead and open the gate. Go ahead. Let them go ahead. Do it. Let your kids go there. Let your little girl dress like that. Let your son go ahead and participate yeah it won't matter it's just a little tattoo go ahead and get this and go ahead and get that and go ahead and go here and go ahead and go there and you don't know enough about it to let them be doing it if you don't know enough about it wait until you get more light wait until you get more light don't open the gates of jerusalem why because it's jerusalem it's not any other city Jerusalem's not like that city over there. It's not like that country over there. Jerusalem is the city of a great king. It's the place where God has put his name. Let all the other churches open their gates. But the gates of Jerusalem are not all the other churches. They're not all other places. This is the city of God. And it has but one requirement. The gates of Jerusalem shall not be opened until the sun be hot. How hot is hot? Leave it to the man on the wall. He'll decide that. He's the one that's looking on this side and on that side. 
People on this side can only see what they can see on this side. People on the other side can only see what they see on the other side. But the man on the wall sees both sides. He says, something right over there I don't understand. It's acting odd. I'm afraid, you know, it's not always that there's something inherently wrong with something. It doesn't have to be obvious, blatant wrong in it. But, 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 but here's, here's the kicker for it. Once you open the gate and you let that in, There are other things that will come in with it. It's what comes in with it that bothers you or should bother you. It simply gives access to other things. You know, if you start watching the psychic network, there may not be anything inherently wrong with it because it's a joke and you know it's a joke. But if you're going to watch it, you got to be careful because if you let that in, next thing you know, astrology be coming in. Next thing you know, you'll be thinking more about star you was born under than, the, than, 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 than being born again of water and spirit. You'll start wondering what the planets are like. Next thing you know, you're talking about witches and warlocks. And next thing you know, you're trying to contact them. Talking, I'm talking about if you let that in, if you let that in, there are other things that come in behind it. And if you can't see clearly, keep the door closed. Don't let it into your life. Don't let it into your children's life. Don't let it into your home. Don't let it into your church. Because there are other things that come in behind that that will absolutely devour you. Listen, you're built walls around Jerusalem. It's a beautiful thing. But he says, I know the gates are going to have to be opened someday. And they're only going to be opened when you can feel the heat of the sun. If the sun is not hot, we will not open the gates of Jerusalem. People scream at one another, crying and carrying on. I don't think you should open the doors of your life or that of your children's lives until you have full light and knowledge of the intentions of that which seeks entrance into your life. Why is it that you want into my daughter's life? Why is it that you want her on my space? Why is it that you want them into these avenues of deception in, 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 in the internet? Why is it that you're making this available? What is it that you want from them? Why, why do you want this information? Why is it? And if you don't have full light on and you don't understand it for all that is righteous and good, don't do it. Don't give it. You don't have enough light to open the gate to that. Wait until you know. Wait until you can see better before you open the door to that. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself has transformed himself into an angel of light. Because Jerusalem is not like any other city. All other cities may have an opening, closing time. And it was common consent that cities were open at sunrise and sunset. That is every city but Jerusalem. And some days, they just weren't open for business. I'm just not open for business today. I'm not going to interact with the world today. I'm not going to have any fellowship with the world today. I'm shutting the gates. And I'm going to be in the house of God alone with the Lord. I'm going to try to get some more light. So when I go back to the walls, I can see what's happening around about me. You know, some people walk around staggering in the dark. It's easy to confuse because you have a lack of light. Keep the gates locked. Watch. Your eyes can be tricked. You can be fooled into believing a lie. You can be deceived by the darkness. You need light of the gate in order to make good decisions, right choices, and proper judgments. 
as I said, there may be some things that are not inherently wrong within themselves, that is in their essential constitution, that is in their essential character, in their nature, in their content, but, 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 but they lead to dangerous things. Painful things, soul-killing things, family-splitting things, marriage-wrecking things. And I know people will shout, I don't see anything wrong with it. But it's, the reason they can't see anything wrong with it is their view is only of one side of the wall. They only have one side of the wall, either in or out, but they don't have a view of both. To see, that's why God's given you pastors and teachers and people he put up on the wall that are faithful men and they only fear God. Sir, don't be afraid of your young people. Don't be afraid of your young people. Make them dress modest. I don't care how the world is dressing. It doesn't matter which way the world is going. This is Jerusalem. This is Jerusalem. It's not some other city. This is Jerusalem. We're keeping the gates closed to that. Because it simply leads to other things. But if you're afraid, if you're afraid of others' opinions, if you're intimidated by the mass, if you feel threatened by other people shaking their fist, then you'll not make a very good gatekeeper in Jerusalem. Because you're only, your only predicate for opening the doors is to feel the heat of the sun. I gotta have light. And until I can see it, you ain't doing it. Until I have understanding of it, it's not coming in. You say you understand it, but you can't see both sides. God has made me a faithful man that fears God to say, I think the light is strong enough. I'm gonna open the gates and let it in. I'm going to go ahead and have some music come up here, if you would, please. For men who cannot see, who don't care to see, or who will not take the time to see, who don't much care to see, you just kind of go by. When other people open their gates, other people make allowances. That's kind of how you monitor your own life, just according to how many folks are lined up on in. How many folks are screaming and wanting out, you know. That's your criteria for opening the gates. You make a pathetic gatekeeper. And just because you've built walls around Jerusalem, just because you have the tabernacle, doesn't mean that Satan doesn't want in. He's just going to have to be a little more. He just can't walk in now. He's got to come through a gate. And you're supposed to monitor that gate. And you're the one that's been commissioned to watch. And be careful. Jacob had some kids. Coming down the stretch here. Be done. He had a daughter by the name of Dinah. She's just one girl among 12 boys. They laid their hands on the boys to bless them. Made each one of them a tribe. Twelve tribes of Israel. Dinah was never made a tribe. She was just a pause in the pregnancies of Leah until she could start having boys again. Just a nine-month pause. She would never amount to anything. She would never be anybody. 
she was just a little girl. I could see her a little 15. I don't know how old she was, maybe 15, 16 years old. She'd lived with boys all of her life and just been around boys. And evidently she came to her Jacob and Daddy, I want to go out and see the daughters of the land. I'm just sick of these boys, Dad. You got no idea what it's like living in a tent with 12 boys. I mean, you ever camped for a while? God, tents get small, don't they? You know. So us having 12 boys. There's nothing but underwear and socks and people running naked through the tents and boys trying to make it from the, from the shower to the bedroom, <laughs> streaking, you know. Donna says, I'm so sick of boys I could puke, you know. These boys are just, you know, they're crude make all kinds of body noises they learn how to do it on their arm first you know and these boys are gross could I just go see some girls daddy I just want to go see some daughters you know I, I, I'm not daddy, daddy don't, don't, I'm not going to get involved all I want to do is see I, I just want to. I just. I just like to be with another girl for a while. I like to see how they do in their hair day. See, in that day they had no general conference, so there's no place to go see how to do your hair. Like that's really not my problem. But girls, you know, they want to go see what's the latest hairdo. You know, how many buttons do they have on their coats? Is it two buttons, three buttons, four buttons, six buttons? You know, I don't ever know till I get to conference. How many buttons are you supposed to have on your cup? How many buttons you got on your cup? One, two, three, four. Got four buttons. Four buttons? How many I got? I only have two. See, I just carry a, a bag of buttons in my suitcase. And when you get to conference, you can either sew some on or cut some off so you'll be right in style. You know, you'll be right up there with me. She says, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, Daddy, how girls do. How they dress in today. You know, how do they dance, Daddy? I... I've seen them boys over there, but, you know, they're goofy, you know. And I just like to see the girls. Daddy could go see the daughters of the Lamb. Daddy, you don't have to worry about me. You know I'm a good girl. I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to participate. She said, I just want to go see. I just want to observe. I just want to look. I just want to see a girl. Evidently, Jacob said, okay, baby, you can go. So she went out, little apostolic girl, long jean skirt, bobby socks, tennis shoes, hair pulled back, ponytail. She goes walking downtown. She doesn't look in, look in every place. Man, first time out of a tent, first time downtown. She's awed by it. But suddenly, there's a chariot that comes by. It's a bad machine. Yeah, bad. Got them wheels on it. Keep going around even when it stops, you know. Them white stallions. Golden bits in its mouth. The guy driving it 
He's a prince. A prince. And the Bible says that he sees her. See, that's the kicker, Dad. It's not what your daughter sees, but it's what sees your daughter. I will say it again. It ain't all about what your kids see. It's about what sees your kids. He saw her. She ain't never been away from home. The little innocent girl. Hey, baby. Come over here. She's bashful and her cheeks flush. And she comes over to him with her head down. So I don't remember seeing you in town. Are you new? Well, yeah. I am. And he, he, now, now the Bible don't do it like this. The Bible cuts to the chase, but it's got to be more than this. More than what the Bible says has happened here. He, you know, she, she's, never, she's never been away from home. And suddenly, it's the prince is looking at her. I mean, I'm talking the prince of the land, the king's son, is looking at her. And he's hitting on her. You know. You know, I can take a little chariot ride, huh? Well, I don't think my daddy would like that. No, I better not. What could it hurt? You know, you're walking. You want to see the land? I'll take you on a tour. I'll show you all the spots. I'll, I'll let you see everything you need to see. I'll take you and show you the land. And she looks all around, and she smells the perfume of a prince, and she looks at the gaudy apparel, and she looks at the chariot, and she thinks, man. She climbs up in the chariot with him. They ride the old cobblestone streets of this town around the back. He eventually takes her home with him. And you know the story. He lays with her and takes the only thing from her that she has of worth, her virginity, her morality, her virtue. see your children all they want to do is see I just want to see what it feels like I want to see what it sounds like I just want to see what it is I just want to see 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 as I said it's not what they see but it's what sees them outside the walls he takes the only thing that she has of value and then leaves her Jacob's sons find out about it the plan they concocted we want to marry we want your sons to marry our daughters your daughters to marry our sons we want to mingle we want to be a part of everything in your lives the boys got so mad at him that in the end they killed everything in the city every man lost his life everything else was carried away as spoils isn't it amazing that a whole city lost its life because one little girl wanted to go see of all the blood loss just because one little girl wanted to see what it was like on the other side of the wall stand with me this is the moral of the story it's about a little girl who wanted to see Look at me, a little girl who wanted to see 
and a father who couldn't. Because if Jacob could have seen what was going to happen, he would have never let it go. He would have never opened the gate. But because he could not see well, because he didn't have full sun, he didn't have full light on where his little girl was going. He didn't have full light on what was going to happen to her. And he opened the gate and let her go because she wanted to see. But it's not a question of her seeing. It's a question of you seeing, sir. It's a question of you seeing. Do you have full light? Can you see what this world's coming to out there? You're going to be going home and this is over with and it's done and finished and... The idea is that you'll be able to see clearly. So the gates to your house, the gates to your children's lives, and the gates to your church will not be opened until the sun be hot and you can see clearly. I want you to come and stand with me around this while we sing something here, our singers and players. I want you to come and stand.